0: Cutting edge conversations with the quant community Hello and welcome to a new Quantcast Mauro Caesar here speaking From this London office for the very last time Because Risk is moving to a new office in the city of London very soon um, Our guest today is Mats Kier Who is um, head of quantitative XVA analytics at Bloomberg Who came to visit us to talk about his latest work Hi Mats
1: and welcome, how are you today? I'm fine, thanks, and thank you for having me here.
0: Mats, you, over the past 10 years, have been one of the leading experts on valuation adjustments for derivatives, and indeed one of the most prolific authors on the subject. I'm sure you'll be pleased if I also remind our listeners that you, um, together with your co-author at the time, uh, Christoph Bergert. Um, Thanks to one of your previous works, um, you were named uh, Risk Quant of the Year. That was 2015. Um, Now, your latest research paper is titled In the Balance Redux. Uh, The title is an obvious reference to your uh, 2011 paper, In the Balance, which became highly cited in the field. Uh, The new paper is online uh, on Risk.net, obviously, and uh, It is printed in the November issue of risk. In essence, in this paper you propose a comprehensive model for valuation adjustments that helps management and shareholders to uh, better understand the profitability of a trade. Um, This is in very broad terms, uh, but more specifically, um, could you tell us what is the problem that you are addressing in this paper?
1: Yeah, it's what I felt being a lack of fundamental understanding of what regulatory capital really is and how it's a cost to the dealers and how it interacts with the other valuation adjustments.
0: And this is obviously built on a pretty vast literature and uh, uh, in particular, you uh, you mentioned a paper by Anderson, Duffy, and Song, as well as a paper by uh, Green and others, and your own as well. Could you briefly summarize what is the um, what was the status of the literature before uh, this publication, and how uh, uh, how um, XVAS were uh, priced before this?
1: yeah so before uh around two thousand and eleven twelve thirteen we all know that the f v a debate was was raging in conferences and and uh in, in mm-hmm. risk dot net and the focus was very much debt uh, focus on debt funding and the cost of debt funding in the form of of f v a but but at the same time uh around the same time uh, Basel uh, Basel capital requirements were ramped up in, in 2010 and uh, as far as I know the paper by Green and Kenyon and Dennis uh, was the first one on KVA that I have read in 2014 I believe uh, and they extended the semi-replication approach that uh, Christoph and I uh, developed uh, for, for FVA and that is obviously gives a consistent methodology to price, calculate KVA, but at the same time, equity is a lot in, in, in a semi-replication framework becomes less tangible, and, and uh, it doesn't really answer what, is, what equity really is and how it's a cost. So uh, the, the debate around the KVA was definitely not settled uh, with this uh, paper, so I myself didn't start looking into KVA until around 2017, and I was in the context of planning to add it into uh, our new Bloomberg Mars XVA product uh, that we have been developing, and we're not coming to to turn come to KVA. Uh, I felt though that I wanted to develop something consistent uh, to have a consistent KVA that fits in with the other with the other uh, XVA metrics and uh, but I didn't want to use semi-replication so I had at the same time read uh, several preprint versions of a paper by uh, Leif Anderson, Daryl Duffy and and Song uh, that featured for the first time I think on SSRN in 2015 that took a balance sheet approach to looking at funding value adjustments and uh, it's a very long paper uh but if you take time to read it you'll see it's a very actually a transparent and fresh approach that provides a lot of additional uh, understanding so i took that took their methodologies and uh, modified it and and extended it to make sure it covers equity financing regulatory capital and and, and also hedging and once that was done in in a single period setting I extended it to continuous time because you need a continuous time model if you want to have something that can run in in production. And uh, yeah, I'm proud to say that uh, the resulting work was released in production in Mars XVA just last month in in the Bloomberg product.
0: uh, Would you say the main contribution um, to the literature with your paper is um, going from discrete to continuous time, is it a fundamental step?
1: Uh, that is part of it, but I think the, even the single-period model makes several contributions. Uh, I mean, it does create a model-independent framework for firm and shareholder back even price calculations that we can then break down into valuation adjustments. But even if the assumptions are so very different from uh, my earlier papers, I use PDEs and, and, and similar applications uh, – those earlier results are actually special cases of, of this model, which, is, which I find uh, very interesting. And I also think that, at least for myself, this led to the realization that KVA you could be renamed an equity funding value adjustment.
0: So what are the main results that you found uh, by looking at the problem from this viewpoint
1: Yes, yeah, I said I started off with with the aim of looking at KVA, but as as the theory uh, emerged, there were many more conclusions that also give give uh, uh, more knowledge about the, the 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 other valuation adjustments like FVA and, and and CVA, and uh, so overall, it's to give a deeper understanding of the impact of derivatives and their financing on on the balance sheet and to see how that affects the firm as a whole and, and shareholders. So that's, that's the first overall contribution. And I also believe it provides uh, an intuitive explanation to how regulatory capital is actually a cost to the shareholders. And uh, when we work through the derivation, what comes out are model independent XVA formulas which is interesting because semi-replication, you have to start off with a specific dynamics or maybe a class of dynamics like local vol, but these are truly model independent and they include all forms of right and wrong way risks including uh, dealer or your own right and wrong way risk, which is interesting. Uh, And as a consequence of that, uh, the importance of using a dealer survival measure when calculating the, the shareholder indifference price becomes... Uh, apparent. Uh, On a more practical side uh, it gives a consistent method for how to manage the KVA not only through hedging as as in in the Green and Kenyan paper but also if you don't hedge various static management methods and it shows a link between what you do with the KVA premium that you receive, do you pocket it immediately, do you reserve it as equity and the discounting that you can use on the capital profile uh, because to be able to discount mm. your very big capital requirements with the return on equity will shrink your uh, KVA quite significantly. But you can only do that if you actually reserve it on the balance sheet. So uh, no pain and no gain.
0: <laughs> so uh, what, what can a bank achieve on on the business side by applying this model?
1: Yeah I think what banks would most appreciate with it is is that they get a theoretical justification for discounting uh, the expected capital profile with uh, the return on equity and also theoretical justification for managing the KVA by reserving the whole KVA up front as equity and then releasing the kind of little bucket KVAs as time passes which is probably what they already do, but now they get the proper justification for it.
0: And by looking at your paper, I noticed quite um, um, clearly how you can uh, uh, quantify uh, differences in cost between margin swaps and margin swaps, for example. Mm. Also, you make some interesting consideration on how uh, impactful is uh, the rate of the counterparty you're dealing with. Mm. Were these conclusions obvious from before or do you think this um, um, this viewpoint helps uh, making them more more clear?
1: I think that banks that are already calculating some form of KVA would all use an expected capital profile and all these uh, features uh, such as the credit rating which enters into the risk weight uh, and, and the margining, whether you're margined or unmargined, which, uh, features in- into the exposure at default. They would have seen uh, seen that in their own calculation. But for the wider uh, financial community that are currently not calculating these metrics internally, they probably had an idea of the direction. That yes, it's worse; capital is worse if if you're not collateralized, but not by how much.
0: So, going back to the point that you developed, the continue, continuous time framework, what is the advantage of using this in a, in a context in which, uh, in an approach in which should, uh, you use the balance sheet values, so which are not very dynamic on their own?
1: So, I think using a single period model obviously doesn't work in, production, in a production environment on a desk when, when you have long dated. Uh, portfolios, but I, I believe that the single period model offers a much say, easier model to understand and it helps, helps you understand all the concepts behind, uh, behind the model, the break-even price, return on equity, uh, uh, the survival measure. So most of the concepts carry over from uh, the single period model to the continuous time model.
0: This all sounds uh, fantastic in theory, but obviously we need to put this in production. Um, what are the uh, difficulties of implementing this model? Uh, what are the computational costs involved, or any difficulty in, uh, in in scripting the code for for this? How 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 do you see the implementation of it um, mm. being performed in banks?
1: Yeah, so the main Difficulty when it comes to implementation and calculation is to calculate the expected capital profile itself. Uh, There are obviously many different capital regimes. You have uh, mainly uh, counterparty credit risk capital and CVA capital. On the counterparty credit risk capital side, uh, if you are on the internal model method, it you cannot calculate the capital requirement exactly because that would require a nested Monte Carlo. No one would do that. So you need some form of approximation. Uh, for the SACCR, uh, that is simple enough to actually calculate exactly uh, within a Monte Carlo simulation. And, and that's what we do in the Bloomberg mouse XVA solution. Uh, it is a little bit tricky still if you have exotic trades that are... Mm-hmm scripted in some scripting language because you need to somehow extract metadata about your, your position so there are a lot of practical difficulties there but from a quant perspective the main challenge is in calculating KVA on the CVA capital uh, so in the new Basel 3 framework for instance uh, you have the basic and standardized approach the basic approach is difficult because it's a dealer level calculation so you need if you want to do it exactly, you need to load up your entire derivatives book in memory and run a simulation and calculate uh, SACCR exposure at defaults per path Monte Carlo path uh, and a netting set, and then aggregate it up accordingly. And on top of that, at each point in time, you need to take into account if you have a thousand counterparties, uh, there are two to the power of a thousand possibilities of who have defaulted and who have not. So if you want to factor that in uh, exactly then 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 you're having quite a challenge so, so that has to be simplified. And moving on to the SA CVA capital calculation the one that is inspired by FRTB and uses uh, CVA sensitivities uh, it is clearly not possible to calculate CVA sensitivities uh, within the Monte Carlo path so you need to approximate that somehow Uh, and obviously you still have the problem of of all the combinations of counterparties having defaulted or not if you want to incorporate that so uh, there are lots of of practical challenges in calculating the expected capital.
0: So what's next? Do you think you will develop this further or do you think the paper as it is um, is a conclusive assertion of uh, on the debate on KVA
1: I hope it it provides a framework for assuming that you can actually calculate your capital requirement and obviously in the single period setting that's calculated today so there's no simulation of it uh, that it provides answers to how it should affect your pricing how uh, and what you mean by price in the first place. Uh, is it the firm break even price? Is it the shareholder break even price? How it influences return on equity? The difference again between fair valuation of a trade and theoretical fair valuation, I should say. It can be very different from accounting fair valuation mm. and, and the shareholder break even price. I really hope it, it helps, it adds to, to the results in the Anderson and Duffy and Song paper. Now with equity, uh, financing to explain all those things, but uh, the practical bits of, of implementing a way of projecting your forward CBA capital, that work still has to be done.
0: Excellent. Matt, thank you very much for uh, visiting us today and, and talking about your paper. Uh, very interested indeed. Uh, These were all the questions I wanted to ask you, so thank you again for coming. And thanks, everybody, for listening.